0: Welcome back to Women Get Lit and this series' last episode Talking Through the Mind. Today I'll be speaking with a psychologist, tackling this series' most important questions and themes, including marriage, creativity, violence, the female voice, and solidarity. I am keen on receiving and presenting a new outside perspective. I have gathered various opinions on the topic of women, how they are presented in literature, and perceived by the world. This series has been very personal. Most of these questions, discussions have centred around my own experience growing up, entering womanhood, leaving the quote, utopian Barbie-land of matriarchal bliss that was the experience of going to an all-girls school. But now I want to know, how are these topics seen through the lenses of psychology? Will I be surprised? Let's find out. So you're a therapist.
1: Is marriage a topic that women come to you with? So I like to refer to myself as the coach rather than therapist, because therapist suggests that there's something wrong that you need to fix in yourself and I prefer to refer to myself as a coach because that refers to the opportunity that you are giving yourself but by profession I'm psychologist working as a coach. So
0: you're a psychologist is marriage a topic that women come to you with?
1: Yes I am psychologist but I currently work as a coach I do see people I do help them using coaching methods mm-hmm. so I would say that if my client is a woman and is married marriage would be one of the first topics that we would be talking mm-hmm. about and this is not surprising I would say marriage and relationships are very important in our life and
0: in your practice what are the questions women are asking
1: about marriage I would say that it depends. So there is no very straight answer to this question. I would think about this in two different aspects. So the first cohort would be women who would like to be married, but they are not. So they would ask questions such as how to persuade my long-term partner to marry me or to proceed through engagement or to be more into the marriage what to do to manipulate someone into marriage. And then a different cohort would be people, women who'd ask me how to make sure that I'm respected in my marriage, how to change the rules that we have in our marriage, how to change my husband's perceptions on something.
0: Obviously now more women are deciding not to be married, but in your practice, do you see that that is the case or is marriage still... A popular decision?
1: I think that the the group that I'm supporting is not very representative because Mm. when someone seeks some advice from coach, some coaching, some sort of support to achieve something, they come very often with a strictly specified goal. And sometimes Mm. this goal is marriage or fixing a relationship. So I would say that in my practice, there is still a huge cohort of women who declare to their female friends or to their family that they are not very interested in marriage, that they are very independent, that they are very open-minded about this, that they don't need a document confirming that they are in relationship. Mm. But then they come to me and they say, I'm very unhappy about this. If I'm honest, Mm. I would like to be married, but for whatever reason, my partner is not going to declare that he would like to marry me. And then... When we are going through the coaching process, they still declare to their families and friends that they are not very interested in marriage. Mm. It's a very different story when we just declare something and what we perceive as our value. And I must say that marriage and long term relationships being part of a family creating a new family, raising children is still very, very deep in our value systems. So Mm. I would say that declared aspects of our life can differ significantly when we compare that to our desires and to what we truly need and what we truly aim Mm. for. What age range
0: are these women? Do you think it's a specific age range that tackles this problem with, as you just said, they're declaring that they don't need marriage but internally they're still struggling with that idea
1: i would say that the cohort that i'm referring to would be women between like in their mid 20s until they meet 40s mm-hmm. this is the age that we are talking about obviously i do not claim that every single person has that system of values but many of women that i've supported so far struggled with the image that is proposed in the society nowadays and they struggled with their own values that were not responding or were not confirming the values that the world around us promotes nowadays so I would say also very important aspect of supporting women was to actually define what they want actually define what their image of ideal future for them looks like And for many of women that I've supported, that was more or less staying at home mum who'd like to promote family values, stay at home, raise children, be always there to prepare the dinner for their husband when they come back from work. But that image is not what the society promotes nowadays. So they were struggling with internal conflict between what the society wants them to do or promotes So my work with those women was to actually find internal strength to pursue what they really desire, what would bring them happiness instead of conforming to the social values Mm -hmm. promoted through media, through literature.
0: I think social media is a big influencer nowadays of what women want. And I do think there is that internal struggle nowadays. So what emotions do women associate with marriage apart from that you know internal struggle of deciding if
1: they do want to be married or not another not very straightforward answer so when we think about the vision and when we think about our dreams then we associate marriage with feeling of love happiness Mm. connectedness Feeling that we belong somewhere. So those emotions are very pleasant and something that we would like to have more in our lives. And then on the other side, we have a feeling of loneliness. We have mm. a feeling of not belonging to place. We have a feeling of frustration related to shaping the relationship and when we struggle those emotions are less pleasant and and less wanted in our lives so i would say that majority of women have this idealistic image of marriage and when you think about what stories we as children all of these princess stories how they end is that they found their prince and they were living together and everything Mm. was right and that was the end of the story so for many women achieving marriage is the end of this lovely story and now their life should look beautiful and Mm. you know it, it should be just happy because those stories suggested to us that marriage is an achievement actually the wedding day is the start of a new chapter in life this is not the end of the book so Mm -hmm. when we are facing difficulties arising from relationship with another human being when we have to conform to certain situations or when we have to change our communication style or when we have to work on this relationship that's not corresponding to the image that we had so Mm. that creates even more frustration and we often don't think that the image of marriage that we have can be based on the stories that we read as children but it can heavily influence how we perceive that on our unconscious level Mm. so consciously and intellectually we would know being in a relationship can be a struggle sometimes and we have to work on the relationship, build it. But then our unconsciousness would suggest like, oh, and they lived happily ever after, you know. (laughs) And one thing that really annoys me when I hear different specialists even is when they refer to emotions as to good or bad emotions. So Every time that I have an opportunity to say something about this, I always, always, always try to remind people that we don't have any good or bad emotions. Emotions cannot be judged on that aspect. Obviously, they can lead to good or bad actions, good or bad choices, but emotions themselves are not either good or bad. They are neutral and they just come and go. It's just how we use them to then inform our choices. So that's a little bit from me when we talk about feelings, to do not refer to to them as to good or bad, to refer to them as something very natural that we cannot really control. We can control our behaviours, we can control our response to emotions, but emotions themselves are not a subject of control.
0: I think that's really interesting what you're saying. One thing that I really picked up on is the stories that you read as little children, this is actually something that I've been thinking about. I remember in one of my seminars at uni, we were discussing what would it be like to write a book that's informative about a certain topic, right? For example, about marriage. And I remember saying, "You have to give the truth about the reality of that situation." And I remember everyone was very opposed to that and saying, "Yeah, but you read." stories you watch movies to escape reality and to fabricate it and make it something pleasant which I thought was interesting because obviously that gives you pleasure that gives you that comfort that this is this happy ending but then
1: it has all those consequences. That is imagined but says untrue stories about life then when you experience the situation in life that is described by a book that you've read and you try to achieve what's in a book even if you intellectually know that it was fiction that creates even Mm. more frustration in some cases.
0: So part of my degree I study literature but I also study creative writing that's where I can express a lot of my creativity and I did an episode with my friend where we talked just about creativity so she's very creative she paints she sings but then she studies at Oxford University which is a very academic very harsh environment and we spoke about how does she find time for creativity so
1: how do you encourage your patients to express their creativity In order to express creativity, you have to have space for that. So as you said, your friend makes an effort to create time for creativity. But also you need some sort of mindset. You need space to act creative. So obviously creativity is crucial in coaching process. And I always encourage my patients, my clients to be creative, to find strength and to find space to be creative. And the first step is always to make sure that person's needs are fulfilled. So you cannot be Mm -hmm. creative if you're hungry, if you don't have your basic needs satisfied, when you are constantly worried about something, when you are stressed, especially if that's a long-term stress. Those are the killers of creativity. So in order to encourage my clients to be creative I try to identify with them and find ways to make sure that their basic needs are satisfied that they feel safe that they have Mm -hmm. trusting relationships their environment is supportive or at least not disturbing so I also encourage people to invest in experiencing pleasure on a regular basis this is something that we forget about and It's very crucial to make space in our lives to actually experience pleasure. So when you are happy, when you experience pleasure, when your environment is safe, when you have trusting relationship, this is the setup that promotes creativity and promotes overall personal development. I remember one person, it's hard to believe, but she didn't allow herself to buy ice cream because as a child she was told that ice cream are bad and that she cannot have it because she will be fat if she eats ice cream. Mm. And she was having some sort of difficulties related to eating disorders and she never allowed herself to have ice cream. And when we were working on different solutions to stress, she shared with me that she always wanted to try to buy ice cream And we worked together to achieve that. And that was such a lovely experience for her that motivated her to actually invest in something that was very creative, that was art related. And she started to sell some of her artwork. So Mm
0: -hmm. it
1: wasn't really connected to art. It wasn't really related to creativity, but that was a blocker that released some sort of, creativity from her because she felt safe she felt that she experienced some sort of pleasure that she enjoyed that she did something that was for a long time not achievable for her and that empowered her to invest more in discovering different aspects of herself so sometimes Mm. even a, a very small step can can achieve a very huge outcome and very huge change in person's life
0: When I think of creativity, sometimes I think creativity is an outlet for your emotions. And one of the things we discussed in creative writing was writing can be, this was specifically about writing, so maybe it can be different with different forms of creativity. But we said that writing can be very therapeutic, and it can help you release those emotions. Here you talk about how in order to be creative, you have to have that stress free zone. But can you also be creative whilst
1: releasing those negative, stressful feelings? There's a lovely book that tackles this subject and teaches people. Mm how to use writing as therapeutic. I think it's even called therapeutic writing. So there is ability to use writing even in therapy. So often patients are asked to write letters to people that they loved or people that they've lost. Or you can write stories that reflect what you struggle with. You can use metaphor Mm. to access unconscious fear You can use writing as the tool that you actually communicate through your difficult feelings. People share their difficult stories that they've written about their trauma, their achievements, their journey through mental health conditions or violence. So that could be then used not only as an outlet of their emotions, but also can support others to how to behave in certain situations you can be creative if you are traumatized but when I think about creativity I try to focus on those optimistic pleasurable Mm. aspects of creativity rather than using creativity as outlet for emotions that are unpleasant or difficult to go through
0: so now I'd like to move on to a different topic of violence against women and how we talk about this hard topic so what do you think about books that talk about violence against women should we read them and what kind of effect
1: does that have on women I think it depends what sort of book is that and what we try to okay. achieve we reading this book generally I would say that reading books is good <laughs> So also, reading books that relate somehow to violence can be a good thing. We need to remember about what we try to achieve through reading a book. So if we read for pleasure and we expect a pleasurable experience and then we choose a book that speaks about violence and it describes violence in depth with very little details and we actually achieve pleasure through reading this i would treat this as a warning sign mm-hmm. so i would say that this is something to talk about with a therapist on the other hand some books that explain different aspects of violence and have very in-depth analysis of that hence the resource as information for specialists, for people, for women on how to escape violence, how to identify early signs of violence. So do you think we should be reading graphic, graphically violent books? There's no simple answer to that because obviously we are free and we can make our yeah. choices. But what I would recommend is to think about how our brain stores this information and what sort of information we are actually promoting for our brain to remember. Mm. Sometimes reading about violence can help victims of violence to release their emotions as well. So sometimes Mm. it can be a therapeutic experience for people who experience some sort of violence and can trigger unwanted thoughts, some fear some flashbacks from the trauma that the person experienced or traumatic event that the person experienced. So we have to be very careful about our choices. In your practice have you noticed
0: a difference in the way men and women talk about violence?
1: Of course, of course. I heard many men who came talking about violence that they've experienced and they talk about violence totally different to what I experienced to hear from women. When you think about organisations that support women victims of domestic violence, when you think about organisations that offer emergency accommodation for women with children who try to escape domestic violence, when I supported men who experience violence especially one certain person that I have in mind now. He needed to find a safe space to actually leave the house because he was experiencing serious domestic violence from his partner and he was trying to find a safe place to run away with a child. That was mm-hmm. no such a place that we could identify that had free places. There was just literally two organisations that we found out that can actually support men running from domestic violence but they were not accepting children so Mm. when you think about solutions that we have or support available we have much more options for women very limited support for men who are victims of domestic violence or any form of violence and they experience more social stigma related Mm. So I think our society starts to accept that violence is not a response. So we have identified many different aspects to support women, but in inequality in terms of available forms of support, this proportion is huge. That refers to the numbers. So majority of victims of violence are females. We cannot forget about this. And the social stigma that men experience when they talk about violence refer yeah. to them not being strong enough, to them not being masculine enough, for them to not know how to solve the situation or provide another form of accommodation for themselves. Then when we think about female victims of violence, we also have social stigma associated about not being Enough, not being good enough, not being happy enough, Mm -hmm. not being sexually active enough. I would say when we think about physical violence, we raise awareness in many different aspects and we are quite open that if someone is a victim of physical violence, some sort of bodily harm, We understand that, yes, we need to find support. But then when we think about financial violence, emotional abuse, when we think about moral harassment, Mm. this is something that still is not often recognised as a significant form of violence and not therefore addressed in an appropriate way.
0: I think emotional abuse, moral abuse, as you're saying, is brushed under the carpet a lot and we don't really talk about it as a society again in our friendship groups in the school environment when i went to school at the peak of the hashtag me too movement we were encouraged to talk about and analyze books in they use this term modern feminist movement in light of the hashtag me too and it was very much talk about you know women are constantly being oppressed women are constantly being physically abused and there was so much focus on physical abuse but again it was very gendered to only women can experience physical abuse and obviously that's not the case but that's what
1: was taught and made to believe i think did not create more fear in you when you were... It, it did. It actually created a lot of fear.
0: And instead of it being an empowering movement or a topic they're trying to try and educate me on, it just made things worse. And I remember my friends and classmates would often say, oh, men are never going to experience that. Men will never understand. We have to constantly be prepared. And it was more this instilled, ingrained fear that we must just fear all men and seek out these signs of violence in everything which was very problematic and it was something I had to really undo when I was at university because at university these topics didn't really come up and when we would analyze a book I'd be like oh but there is so much violence there is this misogyny there is this patriarchy and others didn't really understand what I was saying they were oh I don't really see that. And I'd be what? Oh, but this is the way you analyse literature. This is the way you look at the world. And I had to really undo all of that. And I guess my question for you is, how do you think we should educate girls and young women on misogyny and violence?
1: If the experience that you've shared shows that it wasn't an appropriate way of teaching you mm. about how to prevent or how to protect yourself i would say that in order to educate the society means both girls and boys and adults we need to think about the real need that the person has so it would be more asking questions less advice if you are speaking with a person who is a victim of any form of abuse you do not advise this person what to do, how to behave. You allow this person to freely talk about their experience, to ask them questions that could motivate their thinking about solutions. And when you mm-hmm. think about coaching, it's asking questions that would be thought-provoking. Mm-hmm. So then if you ask questions that are thought-provoking, this person would find resources would find answers that are needed for this specific person so if at school you'd be encouraged to think about your perception on threat from let's say men in that case and you'd be asked to find your ways of making sure that you are safe in situations with men that you'd be asked questions related to your boundaries when you would be encouraged to establish some boundaries and watch these boundaries where you form Mm. relationships they would provide information about support available professional support available if you are struggling with any of these aspects and then ask what do you think about this in this book in the context of your personal boundaries and your personal values, mm. your way of perception, that would have a totally different effect. Because what yeah. you experienced was more, I would refer to, to, to oppression, something that really forced you to believe in just one form of reality that may never happen to you and hopefully will never happen to you. Although statistics say that majority of female at some point in their lives experience something that is not consensual that violates they, their boundaries in terms of sexual harassment. So how do you approach
0: speaking about fear of men if that is something that women do struggle with?
1: I never heard a case when that was stated so clearly that this is fear. Related to man, it was more fear related to sexual intercourse that was more referred to Mm. as fear related to relationships or marriage or having a partner or that sort of aspects. But when we think about fear and how we approach fear, is to think about this and express that in an appropriate way. So when you Mm. think about something that is connected to fear you tend to escape that situation so if you have an experience of fear you would ignore Mm -hmm. that but actually this is not very helpful behavior the helpful behavior would be to confront that and say to yourself okay i experience fear what is that fear related to so when we think about violence thinking about violence constantly would provoke me to ask this person a question okay what is that fear related to what can you do to face this fear or the situation that is related to fear what would be your emergency plan what could you Mm -hmm. do that happened to you so I think we avoid talking about our fears and that would be the first step to change in our Mm -hmm. practice we fear talking about what experience we have would be very beneficial for all of us. And that would shape trusting relationships, trusting friendships. What are the other
0: common taboo issues, fears that
1: women come to you with? Oh, there are many of them. So it can be something related to mental health. It's still a huge taboo Mm -hmm. in many different communities, it can be related to sexual life, so it will be issues related to sex in marriage or lack of sexual activity, infertility, miscarriage, mm. all of those aspects related to rape, so all of the violence, mm. domestic violence, workplace violence, mobbing. Those aspects are still huge taboos, even some true desires that people have, especially when they are very traditional models. Loneliness is a huge taboo. So loneliness in relationships, Mm. outside of the relationships, our experience of loneliness, of violence, of unwanted behaviours from other people, that's still a huge taboo.
0: I think more and more people I'm noticing are having problems with forming friendships more people are struggling to form friendships find people trust people and i'm finding that more people are maybe not openly saying i'm lonely but it's a difficult topic the last question for you is in your practice how do your patients speak about female friendships how do you help women nurture these friendships
1: So female friendships are very common, but can Mm -hmm. be very unsupportive as well. So even Mm. if I support a woman who has a quite big number of female friends and they form relationships that they think are very healthy and supportive, they can also be identified as very toxic so I would say that forming a healthy relationship between women is can be treated as a big achievement from what Mm -hmm. I've experienced supporting women is that they have a lot of friends they do all of these nice things together but then when it comes to emotional closeness and trust meaningful conversations many of them are not present for the, each other so they can talk about subjects that are you know related to achievements or success they compete with each other they try to present themselves build the picture of themselves as being this perfect mothers or perfect wives or having perfect body, but the competition there is quite high. When we think about relationships where women are supportive towards each other, the form of support that they offer can be toxic as well. And I think it would change the female situation of women dramatically if we are more, if we are investing more in building friendships compared to when we just compete with each other thank you for the whole conversation it was very interesting and very insightful i'm glad to hear that there there are many aspects of all of those we could talk you know hours and hours about this yeah. definitely it's worth to invest in relationships and it's really important to talk about this subject so thanks for inviting me Thank you for listening to my
0: first series of women get lit. I hope you enjoyed and maybe see you soon.